0: Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at REBAG.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5%
1: off your first purchase. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect
2: impress-them- on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are just as picky as
1: you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they're milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollars per order additional terms apply
2: Ride with, with me, we can get low. Yeah. Hop into the shit, bitch, bro, do blow Joe wanna ride with me, ride with me Let your head down You he said you want to thug, don't be scared now So they wanna ride I'm with it. me, ride with me oh, 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 oh.
0: I came to have fun. Homie, what else? And I came with a ton of money. But don't get it twisted, the gun is on me. now. This chick's with a man fucking on me. I'll holler at her when she done with homie. Girl, jump off. I got a ton of grown freaks. One name Tasha, one name Monique. One Steve will keep her makeup tight. She got a good heel going with her Jacob Ice. And my little club, she stay up nice. And she give me brains just the way I like One real ghetto don't give a reason. Yeah. She know I'm not a man, she don't rip out cheating. Uh. We only go to her crib on weekends. We're real late when the kids are sleeping. Tis the season, no more BS music. Watch and learn, see us do this. Treats this new shit, Playboy, I keep exclusives To make Deuce see less unit.
2: Can't stop, don't stop, I the building. Cause get down, cause we I get down, cause we I get down. Jump and pop some we I get down, and we see you now. Here's some holes in this house. Here's some holes in this house. Like this.
1: Y'all, I was gonna bump like this. Y'all didn't think that I could bump like this. So I told y'all I was gonna bump like this. Turn around and I make it jump like this. You wanna keep that boy and make it jump like this? Y'all didn't think that I could make it bump like this. See, I told y'all, y'all was gonna bump like this. On my goodies, folks. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your Wednesday episode. Um, Yeah, we've done it. We've made it halfway through the week and we've got another great episode ahead of you. We're going to start right off with the interview today because I am so happy to have the two directors of something I watched on Netflix last week that just blew me away. It's part of the Untold Sports series, but this one is called The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. It's two parts on Netflix, and it is uh, revolving around around the Manti Teo 2013 catfishing scandal. Um, This thing is so wild, and these directors did such a good job handling such a delicate story. Now, a lot of you guys have already recommended this now to so many people over the last week, and I am just so thrilled... To have these guys on it's a quick uh 28 minute interview um but i i was just when i see something i have a real emotional reaction especially to things that i think are very well done and this you guys is so well done and not only that then i discovered this untold series on netflix and it's all sports documentaries and you know me you guys like i'm not the biggest sports dude but I am a huge sports documentary fan. I, I was talking about Hard Knocks on HBO, the reality series that revolves around, uh, you know, the the training uh, pre season for football. And this is even so much better than that. What they pack into two hours, it says so much, I think, about where we were in 2013 and where we are now. And just to give you a little bit of a backstory, I don't want to give everything away, uh, but a lot of you guys might remember just kind of vague rumblings about this story because it was that big. So Manti Teo, uh, was this insane, is this insanely amazing football player did so well at, uh, his high school in Hawaii and was sought after by all of the you know, biggest college football teams. And he went to Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, and he just did amazing there. And he also came from this strong family, from a Mormon background. There's so many elements to this story that all feed into this story. But basically he got into a relationship where he never met this girl. It turned out to be a catfish situation. He thought he was dating this girl named Lene Kakua, um, and and that was not the case, and he found this out in a very painful way. We not only hear from Manti in this documentary, but we hear uh, from Lenae, who is a transgender woman uh, that goes by in the name of Naya. Uh, her old name was Renaya. And we get to see her perspective of the story as well. And it is just so powerful. Like I said, this is two parts. And, you know, this is such a pressure cooker, especially in the second part when he discovers this, because what happens like right before one of the biggest games of his career, his grandmother passes away and who he thinks of as his long distance girlfriend, who he talked to every day on the phone, died after a supposed battle from leukemia. And this thing is so heartbreaking, and we also follow him as he finds out that uh Linne was not who he thought she was this entire time uh It's a story that is so heartwarming because it at its you know f- finality it's about forgiveness, and I think it's just so powerful and it just shows that uh th- this manti he was such a hero to so many people in uh the college sports world and he kind of struggled and persevered even when his grandmother died and his supposed girlfriend died as well and he fought through all of that and inspired so many people but we also get to see the media's reactions once this story came to light there are two deadspin reporters that this documentary follows as well and we get to hear how they discovered that this story was at its core false uh, and manti did not know but The media, as much as they portrayed him as a hero, once this came out, they started to portray Manti as a villain and that he knew about this. He was a part of this potentially. And you see how all of that was false. I mean, Dr. Phil even makes an appearance in this, but I couldn't give you the, I couldn't give you a higher recommendation to watch something. I'm telling you, this thing will suck you in. I planned on watching just part one and I watched both parts in the same night. And I've been making my way through the untold sports docu-series on Netflix. But like I say, in this interview, Just add this to your, my, like my list on Netflix and go through these things. They are all so amazing. Uh, Ryan Duffy has a huge hand in producing this and, uh, he directed this along with Tony Vanuku, who is this amazing Polynesian director. And together, I think they created something really special. And you guys know how hard I geek out on this stuff. We always talk about reality shows and pop culture. But to me, this hits all of those bases. It was a pop culture story from 2013 that kind of uh, went into the zeitgeist for a moment. But I just remember then it being a big thing that we all joked about because this gentleman got catfished, Manti, And then we all forgot about it and we get to see where he is today and the psychological trauma and the scars that are left by situations like these. And, uh, and then, like I said, at the end of it, picking yourself back up and rising again. Um, so I just, I really, really loved it. And I love talking to both of these gentlemen. Now there's going to be a full podcast after this, but I wanted to treat this with respect. I wanted to put this at the beginning of the show. Have you guys listened to this? uh, And please, please watch this. I think it is just such, uh, it's just what I love about docu series and documentaries and Netflix with this one, this untold series of sports stories. Just, Amazing. It's in its second season right now. The first season had Caitlyn Jenner's story. Uh, It had Malice at the Palace, which was the story of a 2004 brawl that occurred during an NBA game between the Indiana Pacers and Detroit Pistons. And it's just amazing because it just shows you how fascinating real life is. And uh, like I said, I don't watch sports, but man, this almost makes me want to do it. Um, So The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist is what we will be talking about today. But today, the uh, third episode of this season just came out called The Rise and Fall of A-N-D-1. It's the journey of three young friends who have a dream of bringing greater acclaim to the game they love and end up flipping the billion-dollar basketball industry on its head. And then on August 30th, episode four, Operation Flagrant Foul uh, premieres, and it's in the summer of 2007, news breaks that an NBA referee is being investigated for gambling on his own games, igniting a media and igniting a media storm and sending the NBA, FBI, and sports fans into crisis. So these all just sound so amazing, and I can't wait to watch them all, but I really want you to watch this one. Once again, it is called Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist, and here are the two directors of this, Tony Venuku and Ryan Duffy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to iHeartRadio. So Bad It's Good. Today, we have two people that did something that is so good, it's great. I watched this thing on a recommendation, and it's a two-part docu-series on Netflix, Uh, It's part of a sports docuseries called Untold, and I believe there's going to be eight of these things, and they're all amazing, but this one to me was especially, I mean, there's just something so special about this. The story is something we all lived through. I I even remember this in 2013, the story of Manti Teo and a catfish situation. Uh, I, I kind of took it at face value in 2013 and got to actually see what was behind this story. And it is completely gripping. I mean, people say that, you know, real life, uh, can't live up to the movies. And I think this documentary really does say that that is not true, that real life can be just as incredible and fantastical than these fiction stories that we see. And this is completely real. We have the co-directors with us today of Untold, The Girlfriend Who Didn't Exist. We have Ryan Duffy and Tony Venucu. Uh, Welcome, you guys. You, I mean, you knocked this out of the park. Congratulations, first off.
2: Thank you. Thank uh, you so much.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: This came out like, just a week ago, and everybody I recommend this to, I, w- I was telling Tony, has as devoured this thing in one night. Uh, what was, I mean, first off, the decision to make it a two-part series, was there a special meaning in that? I mean, was there, why not just do one part?
0: Honestly, the story was that good and that complex, and there's a natural breaking point, too, Right. Um, we did not start off when we started production on this nearly three years ago. It was not a two-parter. It was, you know, untold's an anthology collection. Uh, every film's a standalone sports documentary. Um, and uh yeah, we started off with the intention of making a really solid hour of uh of storytelling and got a few months into uh into our primary interviews and, and initial production and kind of looked at each other and realized okay, we've We've got a little more in our hands here than we bargained
1: for. Do you guys essentially agree as co-directors or do you, I mean, as part of the funding co-directing kind of disagreeing with each other and, and fighting over these ideas and how to present an actual story.
2: No, there wasn't any disagreeing. I mean, I think we, after doing the interview with uh, Manti and spending a few days with him, I think we both knew like what we had and, and how golden, you know, you see that last scene, and you see how vulnerable he was and, and how open he was. You know, I think me and me and, me and and Duffy are just looking at each other like, oh, my gosh, we have like we have a really, really good story here. I think we both knew um, that it was probably going to be more than an hour and had a good idea just as storytellers, um, you know, and running into a subject that is so vulnerable and ready to tell their story. Um, so, no, I felt like the, pa- the process was really natural and easy for both of us when it came to that. Yeah.
1: And what a perfect way to wait all of this time. You would not have had the powerful, I mean, you know, the 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 punch that this gives you, I think is almost in the time since 2013. If you had made this in 2015, none of these people, the, the you know, Manti or Naya would not have the perspective they have on their lives or just seeing Manti still trying to struggle with this and forgiveness. And I mean, these are hugely powerful themes. Uh, like you said, you were blown away. I was talking to Tony before you got on, Ryan, and we were talking about Naya. What was it like trying to gain the trust of Naya because she is such a key component of this? If we didn't have her in that, and especially that first shot of her walking in is just so powerful, knowing that we're going to get her perspective as well. What was that like to try to earn her trust?
0: I mean, it was critical to to making this film and, and it was a slow process. You know, Tony said in an in, in interview we were doing about this last week that so much of, of directing, so much of filmmaking happens before you ever pick up a camera. And it's it's true, generally speaking, and, and really, really, really true in this one, um, because it did require a lot of trust on behalf of the two kind of primary subjects who were kids. They were kids when they went through this and they got burned and they got put through the ringer in terms of media coverage at the time. Um, so, you know, when Tony and I are reaching out, we are, you know, for all intents and purposes, we're we're, we're just more of assholes with cameras trying to be <laughs> predatory about their story, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so to really differentiate ourselves um, and say, no, that's not what we're here to do. This isn't, salacious. This isn't sensational. This is for the first time. Let's go back. Let's revisit this with that benefit of the decade of distance that you mentioned, Ryan, and really tell this through the, through the eyes of the people who experienced it. Um, it was critical. Look, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the show that Neve has MTV. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's even mentioned, uh, Naya even mentions like, yeah, I've used some of those (laughs) techniques or those tricks, because by the way, you guys, and I'll I'll have told this already in the beginning, just the the lengths that Naya had to go through to keep this lie up. I mean, this person was like a method actor at times. I mean, even Dr. Phil, you guys pops in on this. And that's why I was like, whoa, (laughs) Dr. Phil sat down. And I had forgot all about that. Naya gave one of her first interviews to this, where he you know, he makes her go into a back room to try to do the voice because nobody believed it was actually Naya doing this.
2: Right.
0: Yeah, it was it, when we I, a lot of that stuff. You know, in in, in the doc, I, I I don't think has aged particularly well in terms of the way we we treated this. But look, that's also that's me with the benefit of my 2022 goggles looking back <laughs> on 2012, 2013. Right, and it's difficult to do that. I get it um and that's one of the reasons we wanted to make this film is as you said ryan it it, we 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 all thought we knew the story right we remembered this it was one of the first high profile incidents of catfishing um but it seemed right for re-examination one because we hadn't heard from the two people who mattered naya and manti um In in quite some time since since those initial interviews they gave. And two, because I think so much has changed culturally and, and, and from a society standpoint in terms of, you know, if something like this happened today, I think there'd just be a different language around it and a different understanding of... Uh, well, I
1: would I would hope so but that's why it's so crucial that you guys even have the dead spin reporters on there to kind of tell that story about they're trying to not they're trying to point out the inaccuracies in media right. and not really even kind of even taking into account that these are two people at the time they're just saying hey Media accounts are not even fact checking these things, and it really is a great, unique other perspective of this to right. kind of almost break it up. But it is interesting because they even realize they're dealing with real people by the end of this story. When you guys first do you guys remember in 2012 or 2013 when you first heard about this story, what, what you guys yeah. thought of it on its face?
2: Yeah, sure do. I mean, for, for me personally, I I didn't dig into it a, a, a ton. Um, and because it was so personal on a, on a Polynesian level, you know, and there's not being very many of us out there. And then this kind of being a huge story. I didn't know the details didn't really dig into it. Wasn't really part of the wave that was making a ton of fun of him. So it was like a, a, it was great to, you know, be able to come back around and tell this story in, in the right way.
1: Um, and are, are you, I mean, you guys have to be happy with how this story, I mean, was there a, is there a cut on the cutting room floor that we're not seeing like a third part of this thing? I mean, was it a a challenge to get it down to two hours?
0: I mean, it was, it was definitely the if there was a challenge it was getting it down not extending it yeah um, right I, I had that I, I won't lie as a filmmaker you set out to make something that's roughly an hour you know a netflix hour so what 55 65 you, you have some flexibility but you think you're making something for an hour you build out your beat sheet you do months worth of research and pre right. pre-pro and all this and then you get the word that oh, okay everyone agrees with you you can do two parts and you do have that moment where you're like Oh what did I just sign up for? Oh my god, I'm 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 making essentially two feature length films. Um but after, you know, that that initial pang as soon as Tony and I got into it and we sat in the edit, we have an unbelievable editor named Nate Rose who worked on this with us. Um it was clear that no that wouldn't actually be a problem. The problem would be fitting it all yeah. in there. And, being able to go back and, and tell the journalism side of it really helps with that second part, too, because you revisit some of the same beats, but you're doing it through this side door, right, of of, of this simultaneous investigation as Mantai and Naya kind of feel the walls closing in a little bit. You can build that suspense.
1: You, I mean, you say so much about like we we potentially know better now in 2022. But then I kept thinking over the weekend, I'm like, do we know better? Like, (laughs) you know, would it be even more intense for these guys? Or would the story have just like been over and done with? And you know, now a scandal will break over a weekend, and then if you can wait three days, you're you're on to the next scandal. Where this I remember, like, I wasn't even really into sports, and this even got to me. I remember from the Twitter angle. I remember it from all the, you know, you even show the SNL clips, you show the, you know, everybody put their arm around air going Manti with his girlfriend and I remember laughing at those things not really Mm -hmm. ever taking into account this was a person never I mean just and we're, we're so used to that but then actually hearing it from Manti himself and his from his family and how hard this man worked at such a young age you guys even get a powerful story of he didn't even want to go to Notre Dame, you guys. The right. hand of God, like he got a sign from one of his, I think, a high school guidance counselor or something, and got this sign and he changed. He wanted to go to California and he winds up in Notre Dame because he believes it's ordained. This man really truly led from the gut and then to see so proud to be a hero to, to everybody. And then almost that he almost gets caught up in that or he almost tries to blame that But it is wild that, you know, the whole story hinges on his grandmother and Lene Kakua, his supposed girlfriend that he was madly in love with, died on the same day. And you get the details. Like, how hard was it to get his recounting of staying on the phone with Lene while she had gotten into the car accident leading into the cancer? I mean, he sat on the phone with her and listened to her breathing every day.
2: Right, right. again you know there's so much done off camera where you're where you're discussing some of the details with him and discussing the story and just kind of finding out where he is with all of it Um, when we got him going um, as far as like questions and, and whatnot he recalls things very in a detailed way I mean he was perfect that's why I say you know me and Duffy are looking at each other like wow I mean it's every detail you know him breathing into his hands I mean That's just him, you know, that that really is just him being ready to share and remembering this all like it was yesterday Um, and in a very healing and healthy way. Right. So he's not he's not reliving his trauma, but he is retelling it, you know, the best way he could. So we got there's a little bit of luck with that.
1: Um, Ryan, was it comforting? I was uh, talking to Tony before you got on. Is that, uh, you know, I was looking at Manti's social media and he was, you know, saying you know, so thankful for the reception this has gotten and so many people reaching out to him and so much positivity. I mean, I even went on his Instagram and go, yeah, you're still a hero, man. Like I wanted to reach out personally and tell this man that I looked up to him. Uh, And, you know, it's just so funny that even when like heroes never truly die, you know, like they just, they, there's something so inspirational about him still. Um, Were you worried though about Naya? You know, have you talked to Naya since this has been released because I'm assuming there's a lot of criticism going on, you know, with her actions through these, this decade, she even talks about not being able to be hired for a time. Have you been able to speak with her and is she regretful at all for participating?
0: Yeah. I'm in touch with Naya regularly. That's, I'm so sorry about that. I don't know if that ring came through. No, 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 Um, no, no. uh, Yeah. We're in touch with Naya regularly. And look, I, 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 I think Manti is getting that hero's welcome. I really wish Naya was not getting kind of the villain treatment that she is in certain corners of the internet. I also think she's gotten a lot of support.
1: Um, I'm so happy and- she's able to live her true life. I mean, and you do you highlight that, you know, with her dancing, and she found a community of like you know like minded people. And I thought that was really. I just think some of the details can be so harsh when you hear it in a two hour format instead of living it.
0: Yeah, look, that was the thing. Tony and I did not set out we don't we don't see this story and I I I don't think the film tells the story of black and white and good and bad. I really no. don't. And I think if there is a bad guy in this story, the 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 bad guy is all of us, right? It's the media, it's the way we all reacted to this, it's the way we all celebrated this invasion of privacy into the private lives of teenagers and their private communication. Right. And we were all complicit in that. And and me too, by the way, like I was, a, I was a following this story in the media, just like everyone else. Um. So, so, you know, to the extent that Naya is catching a, any kind of grief all over again, I think it is a, a huge credit to her um, and similar to Manti, a huge statement about where she is at in her life right now, that she could be as vulnerable and honest and accountable as she was in the film. Um, and I think for both of them, as Tony said, it's because they are in places now, 10 years after the fact. And I think we are in that sweet spot where people can be both still raw and vulnerable, but also have enough distance. you know, I think that decade span is really the right place to revisit these things. um I think she's just feeling you know confident enough in who she is and she's gone on a a, a, a journey uh, to get there. um but I think she's she's really on on solid footing right now.
1: Was there ever a instant where you toyed with the idea or was it too sensational? to actually have these two people meet in real life. Was that ever even in your head at all?
2: It's been discussed. I mean, but I think we had come to to realize that it wasn't necessary. Um, Duffy and I were, we just, you know, to, to bring them back together, might, it just didn't serve the story, you know, at this time in their lives. And again, with Manti being willing to tell it, but not relive it, you know, like we didn't want to, you know, put them back together since they hadn't spoken uh, since the beginning. We, it was totally up to them. Um, But, you know, I think we, we came together as filmmakers and thought that it it probably wasn't necessary for the story we're trying to tell.
1: Yeah. That really would have been more of a Nev catfish, kind of a a MTV, you know, sensationalism. And I loved how you guys landed it really beautifully. Um, Tony, as a, uh, you know, how important is it for your culture and what you do? You know, you represent uh, people just like Manti. Do right. you take that into your work every day? Because you see that with Manti mm-hmm. of just wanting to be that good example. So it was even kind yeah. of another fall from grace on top of his own personal humiliation when he right. didn't meet his father's standards. Do you feel that same way with directing and, and inspiring people?
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, the culture is small. You know, the, the Tongan Samoan culture is a pretty small Um a small community a big community but a small community it's funny because the little representation that we have in the industry is the rock and and taika waititi so like the <laughs> the, the little bit that we have you know they're, they're we're small and mighty at the same time um so you know going into sundance as like the second you know tongan director uh alongside with taika waititi it became real uh real apparent that you know i was a celebrity within my own culture. So I I quickly had to, you know, I always remember that, and understand that and and the stories that I tell, you know, are very close to me for that reason. Um and then, you know, like we're very trusting, as you see in the movie, um, where, you know, Manti is like, you know, I'm not I'm not doing the film without Tony, basically. Uh and so that really is helpful. And so there's like, there's an O, oh, I think I I feel I like I owe it to, you know, people that I'm telling stories with and, and my community in a lot of ways.
1: Have you heard back all positive from your community that have watched this and oh, from family yeah. and stuff?
2: Yeah, 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 everybody is super super proud. Um I mean just just uh, yeah, that wave has been huge. It, there was one comment that said um you guys had had made a dent in the universe and I'm just like I got I mean wow, listen, you know, I, I, I hate and to and blow you guys up but you saved but... Hawaii, you know, you saved Hawaii and it's like the people of Hawaii. I mean the the feedback's amazing. You're just I, like wow.
1: It's truly one of the things that I love when I can I can recommend something that I know no one will push back against where I can be like, no, just trust me. You're going to love this. It's (laughs) going to be great. Um, Speed of like sports psychology, I was actually, I have a, a trainer. I'm trying to get in shape and it's just horrible. It's just horrific. I hate it. But this guy is a college football player. And I told him about this story on Netflix and he was like, yeah, I heard about that. And he's actually like, he studied sports psychology after he got injured in college football, but he was even talking about the Manti story and how, you know, how that was. And he just said college football and the fans of college football, it's so intense, you know, and people look at you a certain way. And most people, the sports psychology element of it, is poo-pooed. It's like, no, no, you don't need that. No, no, you're tough. You're tough out there and you'd be tough, you know? And it is interesting to that point in the second part of the story when Manti says, hey man, I need something. I'm not well. And he actually does go in and work with this person and he's better for it. Is it interesting in sports, the stigma that mental health still has, um, with all players, because we have this tough guy kind of attitude about it?
2: I think so. And I, and I feel like, um, that's what the the whole Untold series does for sports figures, right? Is gets behind the athlete um, that is only known for basically wins and losses, right? And then we we just kind of add that human element to it. Well, it's all of the human experience behind these sports figures. I think that's the genius of of uh, the Way Brothers and and Duffy and the whole you know Untold series um, with all these sports figures. In my opinion,
1: yeah, Ryan. How do you put this together? Because you actually through this made me go and watch other untold. I was like, okay, like this is a whole thing. Like we got Caitlyn Jenner, we got this hockey team, we got this. And I was like, whoa, these are all told in this kind of like, intensely good way, like move over 30 for 30. We got like, what was uh, the intent when you pitched this? Was it just, I want to tell, did you know all of the stories you already wanted to pitch or is it constantly evolving? Is there going to be a another round of these documentaries? I sure hope so. Uh,
0: well, thank you. First off, that's very kind of you. Um, and that's the hope, right? Is that people come in for a oh, while. I remember Manti or I'm a football fan or I'm a tennis fan. I love Marty Fish and the the filmmaking quality is is such that you will stick around maybe even for a story that you didn't necessarily know um that is the hope certainly with untold and with anthologies overall um so yeah i i to answer your question directly we we don't know every story we're constantly researching and developing uh doing so as we speak for for hopefully the next batch of these we've got a few more rolling out including One tomorrow on uh, the Great Street Basketball Collective and one. um, And then a couple of others coming later this season. But I think the real thing that we try to hang our hat on is, you know, I I made mention of this earlier in terms of Manti and Naya. It's really firsthand accounts. Right. I think the, the sports industry is not short on kind of the chattering classes. Right. You can find your your debate shows and your analysts and your journalists and everyone has an opinion. Of course, we all love to have opinions. That's what sports is. I've got a bunch of them and nobody cares. I assure (laughs) you, but I'm very interested in Manti's opinion and I'm very interested in Naya's. I'm very interested to hear things that um, affected the people in the trenches from kind of the inside out. And I'm interested in building filmmaking universes around that, that, Don't just kind of license a bunch of expensive footage from the official league source and then string some interviews across it and, you know, build a documentary that way. You can certainly do that. But I think, you know, we also take a lot of care to, and I hope it comes through in the film, find footage you haven't seen before. Go back, find those, you know, peewee football clips. So man die well you had those great like you know those high school clips you You had
1: like i mean like i love those the footage of the draft when his family was all in the house and he didn't go in the first round like that was really great i mean i loved all the the other characters you had his best friend his parents you brought all of these people so you really did create and fill out that universe so you felt like you were a part of his family and you kind of you know like you felt this this very similar way towards naya and you really felt the walls closing in at times and I thought it was just so, the pacing of it was just so beautiful. Um, right. What is the thing that you guys learned from working on this one in particular? I mean, do you go into projects wanting to learn things or do you feel like, I mean, does anything change in your perspective as you work on this?
2: I'll tell you what, for me personally, I, you know, going into any um, film like this and with with documentary filmmaking in itself, uh, it's just important to go in very open and flexible. You know, I think when you go in, with conclusions or you know you, you go in as prepared as you can be of course um but you got to be flexible you have to stay open you know to what they have to share and be able to to move in that direction especially in the interviewing you know um if you're locked in on the structure you're trying to do or the answers you think are there um you may you may miss some of that and you may not allow them to tell these wonderful truths from that first person um you know recollection of it. You, know, you might miss it. So I think that's what's important as directors to do when you're going into these stories.
1: Yeah. And what about
0: you, Ryan? Yeah. I mean, that's really well said. Uh, keeping an open mind and following the story where it goes, I think is is paramount to all these things. And the other thing I'll say, it actually relates back to another question you asked Ryan, which is about, oh, did you think about putting them in the same room? Um, as Tony said, we we did a little bit and it's you know, he's he's too humble and kind to say this, but um, it was him. It, it was Tony who said like, hey, man, I don't think we need that. And I was kind of a little more on the side of, oh, wouldn't it be interesting? And where we eventually landed, which is my answer to your question about what I learned, is get out of the damn way. Like, just get your, get your filmmaking hands off screen. And I think to the extent we are putting people in a room together in this kind of, oh, we rented this hotel room here, these people, (laughs) like, we made that. Everyone at home knows that we did that. And I think this film is stronger because we did not. And we just let it play out and we stepped back. So it was a good reminder that yeah. the best filmmaking is very subtle filmmaking.
1: And I thought, I mean, just even in Manti's, you know, of like the the lines about forgiveness at the end and through, you know, have you forgiven yourself? Have you forgiven? To me, that was worth way more than seeing those two in a room together. And it's really just was like, oh, just Uh, I know i got a couple more minutes with you This just came up to my mind Was there ever any opportunity to speak with Naya's family at all Or did they not want to participate in the project?
0: Yeah, we actually did We interviewed Naya's younger sister Who was wonderful um, and super gracious with her time It just didn't end up, you know A a lot of things over the course of filmmaking Don't make the cut for a variety of reasons Uh, She was great Um, But we didn't end up using her and then Naya, to her credit, lost her father, like mm-hmm. literally the week of that first interview, which is another one of those things that people, I, you know, and again, a lot of people are being wonderful and supportive, but for people who are, who are being a little cruel, like I, you just don't know. You never know, right? What's going on with people. And, and Naya did that first interview with us to her unbelievable credit while grieving and going through our personal loss. So anyway. I really appreciated
1: her participation because I really don't think this would be nearly as powerful without her at all. It would have just, you know, this really shows how many unique perspectives there are in this world and how just wild things can get. And, you know, and the other thing is Manti even talks, you know, people then started to think Manti was in on this. But if you watch this guy, if you listen to this guy, you can completely see how this could have happened. Like there is no, right. you know, like, you, you know, he is so trusting he is raised with such a religious background right. and Linay was telling him everything he wanted to hear in terms of religion and saying, get in there and fight and all of this stuff being very inspirational. Um, I could compl- like, there was not a doubt in my mind that I could see. Exa- I mean, I was like, I would have done, that. you know, if I had any, even, I could see me getting fooled by this stuff. Right. And it is interesting that there was a very positive relationship Between them, even though it was based on completely false pretenses, which I found interesting that Manti still was getting something out of it at times in his college football career
2: right and you, you, I think what what it keeps coming back to is everybody says you know they can't imagine they, they they can't the three years seems like a lot of time but what we sh- hope to show you know and and Manti will say it over and over is that it was like a year year and a half of just kind of not this full-on relationship until she goes into the coma and and you know so he's always saying it's about a year and a half ish is, is what you'll <laughs> say when we're together so but everybody just keeps throwing down the three years the three years you know and can't imagine it but yeah,
1: Uh, Uh, Yeah, you guys, uh, thank you guys so much for joining me today. I'm telling you, I've been talking about this for the last week. You guys will not regret it. But then just add it to the My List category on Netflix, and all those documentaries are going to pick up. One of the smarter things you guys did is at the end, you showed previews for the Untold series, and that's how I was like, oh, there's more of these. And it got all added to my list, and I can now work my way through those. And listen, I'm not even the world's biggest sports fans, but I got to tell you, I love sports documentaries and you guys knocked it out of the flipping park. I am so excited about this thing. And like I said, I went to Instagram immediately and looked what Manti was doing and Naya and was trying to, I was so impressed to see his beautiful child. And I was just very happy. This thing has a real positive ending, but also kind of shows you where we were and where we've been and where we're going to and really how to always keep an open mind. But uh, Tony and Ryan, thank you so much for spending time with us today. Where else can we support you? The untold series. I know Tony, you got like I looked at In Football We Trust and all that. What's coming yeah. up next for you, directing wise?
2: Yeah, I have a five-part series that I'm directing with um with Netflix and Jared Hess, who had done Oh, uh, yeah, Napoleon, Napoleon
1: Dynamite. Dynamite,
2: yes. And yeah. So we have a project that's a little different than this one, but it's it's next year, which I can't talk too too heavily on it. Um, that I've been working on.
1: And Ryan, you please keep just doing the untold series and whatever. I mean, like I trust you completely as filmmakers. So I just really think this was great. And I can't wait to tell as many people about it as possible. So thank you so much for joining us today, guys. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So, the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You guys, now is the uh, part of the show that I love the most. It's when we get to talk about our sponsors. We have two returning sponsors this week. Our first, of course, is our friends over at BetterHelp. Um I talk about mental health all of the time, and all of the things that I need to do to be able to be a functioning human being. And uh, they always use in in the copy for this. They always say, you know, hey, how we care for our minds affects how we experience life. So it is important to invest time and care into keeping your mind healthy. Um, listen. We take care of our cars. We'll even take care of our bodies more than we will take care of our minds. But we need to treat our minds in a way better way. And that is where better help comes in. Also, just to speak a moment about this, too, is that Maritza, uh, who I work with, we were just talking about this on the, the Patreon. And we talk about this, I mean, you know, is that she is actually uh, doing therapy for the first time and already seems like she's getting so much out of it and it's just that first step of actually doing it is the hardest part of actually signing up for something like this you know the talking itself is usually surprisingly easy i don't i feel like people get so scared of something that they don't know much about but i do know that living in silence or living in your head uh and not doing something about it has you know w- whenever i've chosen to do that i've always suffered uh, for it, but actually making just one simple step just to see if that something like this is right for you can really do so much for not just your mind, but your overall health. Um, so there are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps. There's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. BetterHelp Online Therapy, it's it offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. I prefer to actually do that, but I understand how some people don't, but I always like to, to see the person I'm talking about, and I will tell you this, though. this is <laughs> I used to have a therapist, uh, this is years and years ago, before BetterHelp, and I would, the experience was, you know, she was great, but the experience was always leaving work Going there, you know, I would try to like do it around my lunch break, you know, rush over there, like stressed out, talk to her for like 50 minutes, rush back to work, stressed out, not really being able to kind of even sit with what had just happened or what she was talking about. But I do remember also just weird little things like I remember she had like a lazy eye. I thought she had a lazy eye, but she would always like look at this spot behind me and she wouldn't look directly at me. And that always weirded me out. That has really nothing to do with (laughs) BetterHelp. And I'm saying if you don't want to see somebody, you don't have to. I I would have preferred her not to look directly behind me. But the great thing with BetterHelp is that you you can do it over video or phone and live chat. These are all amazing options. The whole point is we're trying to make it easy for you to do something about your mental health. And I think that is just so, uh, so awesome. And it is much more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Um, It's one of those things, you know, just don't ever give up on yourself Or the way you think, or your mental health, make sure you put the time and energy and effort in, even if you don't feel it. You know, like it's like pushing yourself to work out, but do this for your mind. And remember, all you do is go and check it out for yourself. And if it doesn't work for you, remember that you you don't have to do it. It, it, It's really that simple. But I, I think you're always going to be. Uh, happy that you did something so our listeners get 10 percent off their first month at betterhelp.com slash so bad that's b-e-t-t-e-r-h-e-l-p.com slash so bad all right and then uh our, this is our second time this sponsor is has been with us and these are our good friends over at ZocDoc. Uh, ZocDoc you guys is actually so cool it also has one of the coolest names <laughs> I just love saying ZocDoc But it's actually an app, and it's really cool because it makes it easy to find quality doctors in your network and in your neighborhood. Uh, You know, it's kind of like the Yelp or (laughs) something like that of of finding the right doctors. Um, So, you know, before you book any brunch, you pour over lists and lists of reviews. So why not do the same when you're booking a doctor's appointment? With ZopDoc, you can see real verified patient reviews to help find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more, important than finding the right plate of eggs (laughs) benedict. Uh, If your doctor can uh, recite every line from the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off but can't remember your own name, it's time to get a new doctor with ZocDoc. Actually, I would love if my doctor could repeat every line from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That sounds amazing. So I want to tell you how easy this is. You can just get on your phone right now, go to the app store, and you can download a free ZocDoc app. And it shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, takes your insurance, and are available when you need them. Um, on ZocDoc, you can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten those teeth, fix an achy back, get that mole checked out, or anything else, ZocDoc has you covered. My God, that is that is in the copy, but I believe, like, Each one of those things I actually need. ZocDoc's mobile app is as easy as ordering a ride to the restaurant or getting delivery to your house. Search, find, and book doctors within a few taps. And you can find and review local doctors. So when you walk into that doctor's office you're all set to see someone in your network who gets you. Go to ZocDoc.com, find the doctor that is right for you and book an appointment in person or remotely that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a quality doctor. So, Go to ZocDoc.com slash SoBad and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash SoBad. ZocDoc.com slash SoBad. And you guys, this was the coolest. When they... um when they advertised with me last time, somebody tweeted at me that they used it and it was great. And I I was like, oh, that's so cool. People actually are using the stuff that I, I mean, it really does help the show and stuff. But when it's something that actually is cool, I have it on my phone. um, I should take a pic. uh, uh, Anyways, uh, I think it's great. So really check it out. I think it is something really, really worthwhile. It's kind of a genius, brilliant idea. Weren't those guys great? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much to Netflix for letting me talk to them. I truly, man, I... I- I gotta say, I just love I love talking to directors. I love talking to people that put these things together because I've, I I've loved watching things like this since I was a kid. So just so exciting! Uh, what a crazy day this has been for me. I've done like four podcasts so far. Finally getting to my own. I um, I was on a Patreon episode of Celebrity Memoir Book Memoir Book Club, and those two women are amazing. And they're going to be on So Bad It's Good in a couple weeks. So very very excited to talk to them. And then I my friend Jamie Rice has a podcast called Dirty Money Moves. And this season they're focusing on Jen Shaw. I believe that episode will be out sometime this week. And that went really good. And then what else, who else? Oh yeah, that's right. I do this on the Patreon, which by the way, hello, baddies. Um, thank you for, for being in the Patreon. There's like a level where you can uh sign up to podcast with me. And I know that sounds completely weird, but I have the best time doing them because I usually don't know tons about the person I'm talking with. And it usually ends up being the most fun. I have kind of even deeper conversations than I imagine having. And today I talked to my new friend Candace, and she was just awesome. She lives in Texas. And uh, I mean, this is the only alarming thing Uh, her husband said that he finds Lisa Rena attractive. And I just, that is a, that's a non-starter for me, guys. And so, Candace, I am, uh, you're you're in my thoughts and my prayers right now because that is just not right. We cannot have, no, but she was like just the nicest person. And it is so cool because everybody out there listening, and it's like, I know if we could all just get in one party bus, we would have the time of our lives. And it's really cool that I get to have those moments where I get to, like those are, it's not like work for me. It's like, I, you know, because I'm so like, if you're actually in my life, one of my friends, like you'll know that I can be really quiet and I kind of just hide, uh, hide away <laughs> sometimes And if this forces me out of my shell, and I know you're like, oh my God, Ryan, you don't even have a shell, but I I swear to God, I do, you guys. Um, Also, hopefully we can give you some laughs in the second half of this, because what a toxic day in the land of Bravodom. Now, there's some good things that happened, like Sheena and Brock's wedding, if you are a big fan of Shishu. She she got married today again, and it looked great. We'll go into that. Uh, We'll also go into the toxicity of real housewives of beverly hills now i got some bad news for you guys i found out today that they are not airing a new episode of the real housewives of beverly hills this week i don't know if this was always planned or they just took a look at lisa renna's social media posts and diana jenkins and said you know what we're gonna hold off because there is a lot of hatred going on around this um and we'll get into this because I'm trying to figure this out myself and it just feels like a lot. I mean, we are once again in this position of, you know, Uh, I'm trying to think of a fun place to start. Uh, let's see, you know, Sheena and Brock, they wore all white, you know, asked everybody. I, um, Well, now I'm confusing it with the Benifer wedding because the Benifer wedding, they asked all the guests to wear white, but Sheena and Brock wore white too. And I'm wondering if Sheena was pissed of like, how flippin dare, like, how could she have known that Ben and Jen were going to do all white too? But uh, Brock and Sheena did all white. But we got today with Jennifer Lopez, you guys, she wore like, I mean, she had a bunch of different changes. Like she was like Elton John on, on tour and I, listen, I'm not a woman, uh, and I don't know, like, wouldn't you get annoyed having to continually, I mean, this is maybe why she's a superstar. She doesn't mind changing into extremely complicated wedding outfits, like three or four times per wedding. Um, to me, it just seems like such a pain in the butt, but she wore like five different wedding dresses. You guys, um, I, I'm looking at all of these pictures now and I'm like what I mean was I need to know the scheduling was it like 6:30 to 7:30 I'm going to wear this one I'm going to wear this other one from 9:30 to 10:30 I mean what I I guess this is what we expect from our stars but it just seems so extreme was she able to ever enjoy the wedding speaking of that too I this is how <laughs> You know, these stupid TikToks and reels, you guys, I swear to God, like, I, it, you know, I started working out with that trainer. So I'm getting a lot of working out reels because, you know, that's, you know, I I talk about it now. And so my phone just gives that to me. But then it also gives me wild things. Like, I watched a whole video the other night about how to pee in your wedding dress, of like this lady had like a hack for peeing in your wedding. I'm like, how did this even wind up in my lap? Like, I mean, not literally in my lap, but how did this wind up on my feed? where I'm like, well, that's good. If I'm ever in a wedding dress, I know now how to pee in that dress. Also, if you guys need that tip, I'm happy to... uh, Also, remember, I can officiate your wedding. I am ordained as a... uh, from What is it? The uh, Life Minister Church. All I had to pay was 50 bucks, and I've married two sets of people, and I don't want to brag, but they are still married to this day. That's how good I am. I mean, seriously, that's how good I am. And I told you this before, but the one I did over COVID... It was supposed to be a big one. It was like 200 people, 250. I kind of needed all those eyes, you know? Like I was so proud of my performance and they had to cut it down to like 30 people. And they Zoom, like, you know, they had like a live stream Zoom thing, but I'm just, I will always wonder what if there had been like, lauren michaels from saturday night live in the audience like i was real i did so good i think you know uh my friend helped me with the speech and and i rehearsed it and i was so proud of it and then just for so few people to see it because at the end of the day that day was about me you know (laughs) (laughs) um i don't know five wedding dresses you're already so frazzled on your wedding day oops sorry my phone just exploded You're already so frazzled on your wedding day. I can't imagine throwing costume changes into that. And Ben Affleck, I mean, Ben, like, I mean, I would, you know what I would have loved? I would have loved if his tuxedo had his big, like he wore one that was spray painted with graffiti of that big Phoenix tattoo on his back. And also when is it okay to admit that maybe you should get that covered up? You know, like, couldn't, like, don't they have the technology existing now where you can completely erase that? It is one of the weird, it's, it's like, listen, there's a lot of reasons to potentially not trust Ben Affleck, but that Phoenix tattoo on his back, I got to say is one of the bigger reasons why, why you should not trust Ben Affleck. Because the fact that that can't even be a drunken decision because that thing looks like it took days to complete. It covers the entire back. You know, like, I mean, you just better hope Ben Affleck is not into pegging or something because poor J-Lo has to look at that, that phoenix rising from Ben's back. I mean, imagine if this guy gets like back hair at some point too, that's going to mix in with their, I mean, like that's truly the House of Dragons, not that HBO show. Um, So congrats to that. Let's get into Sheena and Brock's wedding. Now this, uh, You know, I'm seeing all of these stories. And in fact, I was just DMing with Ariana um, because I said, please get a picture of you and Jax. And she was like, LOL, not going to do that. Um, But it looks like everybody had a great time. And. Sheena and Brock were the second story on the U.S. Showbiz Daily Mail page. So that's good. I mean, that come on. And the headline is Vanderpump Rules Personalities Sheena Shea and Brock Davies are married at a resort in Cancun, Mexico. The couple exchanged vows at Dreams Natura, Natura Resort and Spa. Vanderpump Rules, Ariana Maddox, and Raquel Levis were bridesmaids, while Tom Sandoval and Tom Schwartz served as groomsmen. Brittany Cartwright, Kristen Doty, and Jax Taylor were also on hand at that event. And also, I did this on the Sophie thing, but guess what? I do have the Rambo lunchbox from Jax Taylor that I bought from his eBay page, and I am going to be doing an unboxing video tomorrow on my Instagram. I've never done one of these, but I hear they're very popular, so... I will unbox the magic of the Rambo lunchbox that I have bought from Jack's personal collection. Very excited about that. Um, I just, I mean, what? Else, honestly, between you and me. I say this at least once a week. What the hell am I doing with my life? And how have you guys let me get this, I mean, this far into this stuff? I mean, I'm buying lunch boxes that Jack's once owned. I mean, this is sad. Thank God I don't have kids yet because they truly would be like, why is daddy shameful like this? Why, what, what did I, does, am I going to be shameful like that? Like I, that's what my son or daughter would be wondering. Be like, am I going to turn out like this one day? And I'll be like, when I'm gone, this podcast is yours. Um, Sheena Shay is quoted as saying, I just wanted us to have a good time with every person who is important to us. Now, I noticed Lisa Vanderpump wasn't there. That's kind of, I mean, I guess Lisa was at the first one. Remember, Sheena and Shay and Mike Shay had one of the most iconic wedding episodes of all times because not only did you have the wedding themselves where uh, the wedding that uh, itself where they had to clean up after themselves. And it was also during a, w- during the week, I think it was a Wednesday wedding. Right. But you also had, that was when DJ James Kennedy was dating Kristen Doty and Kristen Doty slapped him in the face a bunch. Cause he was like a belligerent asshole. Do you guys remember that? It was so exciting. Now, uh, DJ James Kennedy is there, but he did not get a I, I don't know what his, I I believe he's there with his girlfriend, but I don't know if his girlfriend's at the wedding. Now, Kristen is there with, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Katie is there with Christina Kelly, but I also heard Katie wasn't going to be at the wedding, but she was also at the same hotel. I'm not sure what the whole story is there, but it, it seems like it will make for a fascinating episode of Vanderpump Rules. Now I was sent a bunch of pictures of the ceremony and stuff. All I'm seeing, though, in these pictures are two cameras. It does not look like the entire huge setup that you usually get with these productions. My friend was pointing out that even the other day when we were at the opening of Shorts and Sandys, there was like an eight-person camera crew there as opposed to a two-camera crew from what I'm seeing for Brock and Sheena's wedding. So they better have shot this in a very respectful way. Also, Sheena has been with this show from the beginning. Lover or hater, but like, I mean, at this point, how can you not love her? I mean, she's kind of withstood 10 seasons of this show. And listen, I gotta say, I've turned around on their child. I mean, I think she is. Now, potentially the cutest Vanderpump baby of them all. Uh, Maritza Lopez, who I work with, she's always been her favorite. and, And she'll show me like she'll say, hey, I've got a work question and I'll open up the email and it'll be a picture of Sheena and Brock's baby summer moon. And I'll be like, "Okay, good one. You got me. She does this at least four times a week. And it always makes me smile. But the kid is very cute. I can't argue with that. I also noticed that Lala Kent was not there, but Randall Emmett was. No, I'm joking. Uh, But, you know, I didn't see Lala. Of course, Stassi wasn't there. Um, These wedding things, it seems like it's just like if I ever get married again, and I don't say this lightly, and I'm not trying to say this joking, but it is so stressful. And that wedding invite list, but, uh, you know, and I remember... I remember not getting invited to certain weddings and that being a big thing for my ex, like being really hurt that we weren't invited. And I was always like, cool. I didn't want to, you know, like, but it is so stressful that invite list that like, how do you, you know, how do you even choose these people in your life that get to go to this thing? Also a destination wedding midweek. I mean, those are all big asks, but Sheena Shea has done it once again. It looks like Brock Davies uh, cried at the altar, which, you know of course, uh, very dapper in his white tuxedo looking out on the, uh, the ocean. Um, she says, I love that we have designed this from scratch together and the lace is absolutely stunning. She told uh, an outlet about her wedding gown. Uh, Brock Davies wore an all white Art Lewin suit to the, nu- I don't know what Art Lewin is that like old Navy is his old Navy, a competitor of Art Lewin. Um, Sheena Shea's sister, Courtney Van Olfen, was the maid of honor, while Davy's best friend, Charlie Jones, was his best man. Please make sure you're writing down this information. There will be a quiz afterwards. Uh, the Bridal Party donned Pink Ensembles by Pia Gladys Paré. Um, are we supposed to know these names? Where, while the groomsmen wore white shirts and tan slacks from Fashion Nova men. Now, I do know Fashion Nova. I see the billboards all over the place. Isn't that kind of like a, like a knockoff kind of... I mean, I, I think I can afford Fashion Nova. Davies told the outlet of the fashion decision, one of, one of my groomsmen asked about suits, and I was like, lad, we're getting married in Cancun. You don't want suits. Remember, I do one of the world's best Australian accents known to man. Um, Following the vows, Shay donned a mini dress by Eto A-T-T-E-A-U, to join the attendees for a dancing celebration, us reported. Now, Okay, so she's got two changes, but J Lo had five. So right now J Lo's in the lead. Who knows what else will happen tonight, though, at this wedding? And I swear to God, we better have a lot of good as gold moments in this. And I, I believe in the pre-festivities, from what I understand, they played a lot of good as gold, I'm hearing, from my friend Janet. Uh, party goers were slated to enjoy a cocktail hour with drinks and appetizers, after which the main course of steak and salmon would be served with vegan lasagna, also available to guests. Now, remember, People Magazine got the first look photos. And from my understanding is that they had it so like people supposedly they had the camera like Sheena's what once she was there in the dress, they went to a very specific room before going out in front of anybody and got the photo for people and people immediately uploaded it. And that was part of the deal. Uh, so they made sure it didn't get out. And it's like, yeah, man, get that coin. How much do you think these wedding photos go for? Like, I know this is in a different category, like than Benifer and, and, and things of that nature, but still, what do they go for? This is an exclusive. And when does people go, you know what? Don't really care about this couple obviously, people wanted the Sheena Shea Brock Davies photo, but we've seen many instances where they have not wanted other ones. You know, I mean, I know Brittany and Jax. I don't believe like I believe people bailed out on like one photo series of one of their things. Maybe it was the the birth announcement. Who knows? The first dance of the evening was set to the song Beyond by Leon Bridges, which Shea described as very close to our ha- our hearts. Shea said the couple opted to go with a carrot cake in lieu of a traditional wedding cake. I want the carrot cake. Added that it's just for cutting and more for looks than for eating because no one eats the cake. I love... Come on, that's a very Sheena thing. It's just for cutting and more for looks than eating because no one eats the cake. How dare you? My love handles beg to differ, Sheena Shea. The pair also had a DJ on hand to provide the music as well as fireworks show from Pyro-Caribi. Caribi? Caribi? Uh i am shocked DJ James... Kennedy didn't get up on the ones and twos. Uh, the couples uh, were slated. The couple were slated to enjoy an after party at an on-site location fe- featuring a cenote with a DJ and taco stand on hand. Um, so. Shay told the publication that she and Davies chose the Dreams Natura Resort and Spa after looking at four possible venues for the wedding. "Quote: They had everything I wanted: the glass platform over the pool, a lazy river, a little water park. It was family friendly, and it fam- <laughs> it was family friendly and it just felt right. We needed something that would be good for her and also fun for our guests," referring to their daughter. I also assume that this might be the one that gave them the most um, free stuff. Who knows, though, right? So. Our girl has done it again. She has went and gotten married. I hope they had a very special day. I'm so excited. I really am excited to see this episode because Sheena, I mean, I just, that episode of that first wedding is just, it's emblazoned in my memory. You know what I'm saying? It just, I I will, that episode is one of my favorite episodes. And I know it's so dark to say that I hope this other wedding episode is just as good, but I do hope this other... (laughs) This other wedding episode is just as good. Okay, guys, moving on. Big news. Now, Now I remember, what was this, like three or four years ago? Do you guys remember MoviePass? MoviePass, you had the power of free movies within your this little credit card. Um, so MoviePass is going to be relaunching, you guys, in beta form on Labor Day. The only way to use this service is to sign up on a wait list beginning... Thursday, the first users who come off the waitlist can choose among three pricing tiers, $10, $20, or $30 per month. So they had a meteoric rise and fall when it first launched and they lost a lot of money. But do you guys remember it? It was an app, but the app was always like kind of broken. But basically you paid this service fee every month and you got to get into as many movies as your hot little hands could get into. They started making rules once they realized they were losing money hand over foot. They were banking on people signing up for this service and then not using it. But in, uh, you know, shocking to no one, people were using it. All I mean, people were really using it all the time. Now movie pass failed, but like things like AMC now have their own, which I actually have, uh, an AMC, their version of this, but they only let you see three free movies, I believe a week, which is still a really good deal, um, for how expensive movies are now though. So this will be interesting. Uh, the waitlist will be open for five days starting on Thursday on a first-come, first-served basis. It will be free to sign up with MoviePass. All that's required is an email address and a zip code. Once the waitlist closes, the initial group of beta users will be notified on Labor Day, September 5th, and will be offered through— Oh, wow. I love that this is like the golden ticket from Charlie Chocolate—Charlie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um Prices, like I said, will vary. Um, according to MoviePass, the service has partnerships with 25% of theaters in the U.S. Users of the beta version will be able to order movie tickets through the app or can wait for their MoviePass card to come in the mail and use that at any theater box office that accepts MasterCard. The card will be black as MoviePass is scrapping its previous red branding. Insiders was were given a... An exclusive first look at what the card will look like, and it looks like the Movie Pass red card, except it is black now, and it has a MasterCard logo on the bottom right. Um remember Randall Emmett even invested in MoviePass when it was going under? Like he invested in Movie Pass when it was on its last dying breaths. That's how good of a businessman Randall Emmett is. By the way, didn't he just kind of disappear? Like we gotta, we gotta get a we gotta get. Uh, is is Randall okay? Do we gotta do a, a safety check on Randall, like a, a welfare check? Can somebody get, let me know if he's okay or not? Um, but in less than a year, on the original movie pass, it had over three million subscribers, and they were only charging like a ten dollar a month subscription price to see a movie a day. In the beginning, it was just completely in balance, and and uh, really bankrupted a lot of people. There was a lot of lawsuits involved. Um, also there, uh, there is a documentary about the rise and fall of movie pass that Mark Wahlberg's company is producing. Um, so this will be very interesting to see where we are now with movie pass. Uh, I will say I am, I am up for anything that brings people back to movie theaters. I know it might be a concept that is not as safe anymore. Seeing what we have dealt with over the last couple of years but just from a nostalgia factor and there is just something so magical about a movie screen about something you know a big movie screen especially I live in Los Angeles so you know it's not as special here sometimes but I remember in Kansas that was my ticket to uh to magic you know that uh, like there you know to see the world and you uh, now we have so much cable and so much streaming and all of this stuff, but I want this just romantically to exist. I romanticize these things. There's something so exciting about sitting there and watching 30 minutes of previews. If you go to AMC, my God, AMC, 30 minutes of previews. Come on. I mean, I like previews, but 30 minutes, that's a long time, but I want things to bring people back to the theaters. I mean, concerts have really made, um, a huge resurgence. Concerts are selling right and left for the most part. But movies still haven't fully bounced back, except for blockbusters. Matt Damon was on Hot Ones uh, recently, and uh, the the uh, head guy, who's amazing, uh, asked Matt Damon a question about why they're not making movies like they once were. Movies that were, you know, like the, the host said, movies that felt like they were for me. And Matt Damon actually, had, it was this great clip where he explained that you know, uh, in the, like what, 2010 or something, he, he wanted to make a movie with Mike Douglas, Michael Douglas about, um, Liberace and his, uh, boyfriend. Yeah. Liberace was gay. Sorry to let the cat out of the bag, but it was like this great film. It actually, uh, eventually made it on HBO behind the candelabra. Great performances. Matt Damon was amazing in it. Michael Douglas, amazing in it. But he talks about, you know, this was a $25 million film, right? about Liberace and his boyfriend. And you have these, you know, really two big actors, Michael Douglas and Matt Damon. But the producer told Matt Damon, okay, I'm going to put up the $25 million for this movie. That also means I need to put $25 million into P&A, which is print and advertising, to show people that this movie exists, right? So that's $50 million right out of the gate. And then remember, with theater exhibitors, these people will give theater exhibitors their movie and then they split how much money that, you know, so like if you pay $20 for a movie ticket, $10 goes to AMC and $10 goes to like Warner brothers or whoever makes the film. So at the end of the day, he was then this producer risking a hundred million dollars on a movie about two men in love of actors that he greatly respected. But all of a sudden, what used to be a surefire um, way to make money because of DVDs, the DVD industry, you could always make your money back on DVDs. You'd have the release of a film, right? Remember this? Remember you guys how we would, you have the release of the film and then four or five months later, maybe six months later, the DVD would come out and it would be like re-releasing the movie all over again. Like you guys know I'm sitting on like a thousand DVDs, but now I'm almost thinking maybe DVDs are going to come back into fashion. It's like, I'm really, really excited because people are bagging, including me on streaming. Like how dare you HBO max, what you're doing lately but like maybe that means my dvds are going to come back in vogue and then i'm sitting on millions of dollars all of a sudden you guys i'm going to sell my goodwill hunting dvd with the special bonus features for a cool million eventually um but now the dvd industry is completely wiped out and streaming does not give that same revenue because we're paying a blanket fee and that fee is really taken usually by the conglomerates more than anybody else involved in the producers and the actors and stuff like that. I know this might sound like a little inside baseball and it might be a little boring to you, but to me, the movie business is so fascinating. The TV business too, but it's something we really have to pay attention to. And you gotta remember in the same thing with Napster and you know uh, Spotify and Apple music, like we used to buy physical CDs that went away. And that's why artists, a lot of the times, unless you're Taylor Swift or some of these big artists, they get nothing. They'll have a million streams on Spotify and they're seeing a check for like $800. It's ridiculous. And uh, it's a really hard time. And I don't mean to be like, boo-hoo to be an artist because remember only 0.5% of artists out there make this exorbitant living, living you know the tom hankses the jim carries the denzel washingtons all of those people and the same with music but the remaining 99.5% sometimes just eke out a living I mean, the amount of actors in Los Angeles that are below the poverty line that don't get to just be actors. I mean, it's the majority of them. It is really scary to be in that place. But I remember that. I remember like I'm rushing out to pay $20 for a DVD when it came out because I loved the movie so much and I wanted to own a piece of it. I wanted something tactile in my hands. So I found this clip really fascinating explaining why things are going down. So that's why the movies that you see now, the movies that hit the theaters, usually sometimes are very homogenized. You're going to get the Marvel movies. You're going to get the Disney movies. You're going to get the cartoons. You're going to get these things that are guaranteed blockbusters, but sometimes the subtlety is lost, right? Sometimes this, these interesting ideas that are a little left of center that might not speak to everybody, but they might speak to you. We don't get as much of, I was talking about that A24 film, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, that I found just really beautiful when I watched a couple months ago. And that is considered a hit for A24, and it only made $69 million. Now, opposed to that, uh, the new Top Gun made over a billion dollars it's a really skewed perspective, but I hope people and artists and creators keep fighting for these ideas to get out there, but it's a really, it's like the wild West again, in terms of this streaming and it's being upended with this new HBO max deal. Okay. Thank you for allowing me to geek out folks. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Hey guys, have we talked about how Freddie Mellencamp sucks? You guys, Freddie Mellencamp, she has the, uh, hit podcast, two T's and a pod, uh, with, uh, twats as we call it with, uh, Tamara Barney from Real Housewives of Orange County. Now I was reading the reviews today because I was like, what? Cause I just never hear a positive thing about Freddie Mellencamp, except that her dad's, I don't know if you guys know this, her dad's John Mellencamp, the singer. And she always just seems to stick her feet, all, all of the feet. And I do this myself in her mouth hole and always says just horrible things. And we were talking about this, I think the other day where her most recent uh, trauma is that uh, she said about Lisa Vanderpump's, um, we were talking about Lisa, you know, Lisa Renna's mom, Lois and giving her grace with her behavior because she's going through grief. And a lot of people pointed out that on, well, you know, was it like season nine or something when Lisa Vanderpump's brother had killed himself, um, that Teddy did not extend that same grief to Lisa Vanderpump. And then Teddy being Teddy is like, yo, I did not know that she even had a brother. She never talked about him and like, kind of like really snotty. And, um, So then, and this is horrible, and we're going to get in, this is the section we're going to get into the fandom of Bravo, uh, or what they want us to believe is the fandom of Bravo. Who knows where the truth lies? Probably somewhere in the middle. So uh, I'm reading an article from Showbiz Cheat Sheet. Freddie Mellencamp experienced swift backlash over the recent remarks she made about the grief Lisa Vanderpump endured on Beverly Hills when her brother had died. Uh, Vanderpump's final season of Beverly Hills was mired in sadness as she grieved the loss of her brother. Mellencamp filmed a scene with Vanderpump where they had a heartfelt discussion about her brother's death. But Mellencamp recently said on her podcast that the Beverly, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, didn't give Vanderpump grace when it came to her brother's death because they didn't know much about her relationship with him. Adding that the cast didn't know Vanderpump had a brother, these remarks went viral and many fans were furious. Mellencamp and Tamara Judge, sorry, not Tamra. Barney Tamara Judge discussed the anger Lisa Renna exhibited this season on the podcast, sharing that they believe her anger stemmed from the grief she experienced following her mother's recent death. Quote, I do know the relationship with her mom was extremely strong, Mellencamp said about Rinna. Totally. Two things can be true at once. I do know the fact that we did not give Lisa Vanderpump grace after her brother passed, she recalled, and we had never even known She had a brother. She had no relationship with him and didn't speak to him. We got killed for not giving her grace. Also, the use of the word killed when you're talking about somebody that actually has committed suicide, really disgusting and shows what a pea brain we're potentially dealing with with Freddie Mellencamp. Remember, this is somebody that you have to ask permission to eat like a cucumber slice. Adding that, uh, if a housewife was dealing with a death, Mellencamp said she would give them more grace. This is like this inflated, inflated sense of housewives ego. Like Teddy, nobody truly cared about you in this, you know, giving you like Teddy, you're neither here nor there. It was like everybody else that kind of mattered quote. And I know with LVP, I did not because I was like, you'd never spoken about him. So I love that. Teddy is saying that if she had, if Lisa had spoken about her brother more to Teddy, she would have chosen to give more grace. Um, and now this is our reason why you tried to get Doris Kemsley in trouble for the dog. That's why you are doing this bad behavior. I didn't understand it. So from that aspect, yes, I have no idea how somebody grieves. And I'll tell you what, Freddie, if you bring Lucy, 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 Apple Juicy into this whole discussion i mean like the fact that you're bringing this poor dog this dog works harder than diana jenkins does on beverly hills i mean you truly the way we have used this dog as a, the center of a whole boring season is just still to I, 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 shocking uh some real Housewives of beverly hills fans lashed out at mellencamp for her comments about vanderpump so after this morning's online attacks death threats you know the works mellencamp said on our instagram story exactly what lvp wanted is happening I called my producers and asked, what exactly did I say? So she did this in an Instagram story where she was getting her steps in her walk. And she was like, here's a good time to talk to the camera. Talk to my fans. It's me, Freddie Mellencamp. I loved that. she. So she got online attacks, death threats. She goes, you know, the works, being cool about it, you know. And listen, it's ridiculous. Like, and, and I hope nobody listening is one of these knuckleheads. The fact that any fucking knucklehead is given a death threat to Freddie Mellencamp, I mean, my God, a death threat? I mean, that's serious. That is bizarre. Bizar- I mean, that makes Freddie Mellencamp look good. Do not ever make me side with Freddie Mellencamp. I mean, I feel like this is where I part ways with some of the Bravo audiences because there is a clear delineation between right and wrong. And it's going to lead us into our next topic about what happened today with Garcelle's son. Um, And I think this is just so ridiculous because come on, man, we've got to have common ground somewhere. And I think we start with no death threats for anybody. How about that? No death threats. How about no death? You realize this is a housewives show. I know we are very passionate about it, but death threats? Are you kidding me? Are you trying to make me feel like a bigger geek than I already feel? Like, if I have to hear from one of my guys, hey, you know your fan, you know, the the fan base that you, uh, you know, you're a part of and that you talk about all the time? They're giving death threats to housewives? What the hell's going on? I swear to God, I'm going to be livid if one of my friends uh, calls and asks about this. But, um... So she says that she goes, exactly what did I say? So I called my producers and asked, what exactly did I say? Now, this is the other part that really stood out to me because I called my producers. So she's saying she called the producers of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Hey, Freddie, they're not, your produ- you're, they're not your producers anymore. I hate to remind you this because you have such this weird inflated or maybe it's just an insecure uh, ego you're not on the show anymore. They're not your producers. And the fact that you're called, like literally, you you know, Freddie, they're actually in, you know, they're they're dealing with a show that's currently in production that you're not in, and you're going, guys, it's me, Freddie. Remember John Mellencamp stutter? Anywho, what did I say a couple seasons ago? Will you will you do will you do a quick search and look that up? Freddie, do you have access to Peacock? All the reruns are there. You can actually do that for yourself. You have these poor producers. Try like having to go into a database to see what your dumbass said let me tell you I'll, t- I'll like let the cat out of the bed it's probably not going to be interesting like these poor producers are now going to have to fall asleep watching old scenes of yours her she furthered uh saying their words not mine you actually kind of trolled yourself mellencamp continued no shit you trolled yourself, Teddy. And you said, after the season with LVP where I did not know that she had a brother and I watched back that she was grieving, I am unable to comment on somebody's grief other than it is hard to say it is okay to hurt others when you are grieving. That being said, that's why I didn't want to comment more in regards to Lisa Rinna grieving her mother, she added. I don't know what it's like to grieve, so I'm unable to speak to it. You don't know what it's like to grieve? Mellencamp added a link to the podcast and tagged Vanderpump. Anything to get that podcast out there, right, you guys? Hey, I'm going to tag the old pod. Why don't you guys find out for yourself? Listen to an all-new two T's in a pod. Ugh. Ugh. Lisa Vanderpump responded by tweeting, Okay, let's move on. I said what I had to say. No viciousness, please. Listen, you guys, you Freddie Mellencamp fan or whoever— you're making Lisa Vanderpump look good here. You're, you're making the possibility of a Lisa Vanderpump return more and more likely the more you push this shit. And especially leading into the Rinna, Diana Jenkins of it all. It is a mess. It is toxic. I love talking about it still because it is just so ridiculous that I think it is beyond like, it is so fun to make fun of. Like I never want Lisa Rinna or even I want Diana. The fact I want to, I want to do my horrible Diana Jenkins impersonation for the end of my day. It's like, I don't know why everybody. I am the star of the show. It is me, Diana Jenkins. I have three lines every episode, and they are the best lines. And my child, my son Asher. Oh, I mean, I mean my lover, my son, my Asher. He's on with me. Um. So, uh, also then, uh, Freddie on her two T's in the pod. She had to open the pod with an apology which you always know it's just not it's not great um i want to read you a couple of the reviews because so then i went to the reviews because listen these are and by the way if you like this leave a five-star review you guys. but i think maybe it's time for Tamara to find a new host like i don't know if this is like i know it's hard because freddie doesn't have a thing you know like she's not good at the the diet cult thing she does. And she doesn't seem like she's a natural podcaster. Whereas Tamara seems like a natural, uh, podcaster. Um, so here are the, uh, oh, I'm trying to see, oh my God, their episode today was 29 minutes. Their episode Monday was 42 minutes there. Oh my God. This is dude. I could do this with two hands. I'm, okay. Here's some reviews, just recent reviews. Four out of five stars. Now, that's a good one. Cannot stand listening to Teddy discuss Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. She is so biased for her friends on there. Her opinion never correlates to the majority of Real Housewives uh, fans. Just like Tamara will not be commenting on Orange County, that's supposedly the deal. Teddy, even though canceled from the series, should not be giving her prejudice opinions on Beverly Hills. I completely agree. If you're a podcaster, try to find other uh, shows to talk about in the Housewives universe. Try to give us your behind the scenes things, but you can't do that about your friends. Uh, here's a, a one it, it just says, yikes, one star. Tamara sure makes a habit of attaching herself to giant losers. (laughs) Oh, my God. Jeez. Man, first Vicky, now Teddy. It's a shame. I would love to listen to Tamara talk to literally anyone or anything else besides Walmart brand Bruce Springsteen's MLM slinging daughter. Oh, my God. Walmart's brand Bruce Springsteen? That's John Mellencamp? Um, That's Oh, my God. Wow. Um this is, and the, this user's name is Titan Uranus 420. Uh, continue. Save your time. If you want to listen to a Housewives podcast, try watch what crappens Danny Pellegrino or Reasonably Shady. How dare you, Titan Uranus? Please listen to mine. Uh, now, here's a positive one. Best Bravo podcast around. Ah, Lisa Renna. No, uh, here's one. Tamara should get a new co-host. One star. I listen to this podcast solely because of Tamara. Teddy is still just as desperate and annoying as she was on Beverly Hills. For having a whole brand based on accountability, she takes none. She's so biased and blindly defends her friends on the show and slams everyone who has crossed her. I love Tamara, but Freddie is pretty insufferable at times. Uh, okay, here's one. Former listener. One star. I only started listening for Tamara, but what? But that just isn't enough anymore. Teddy is incapable of giving an honest opinion of Beverly Hills. Um, These are all pretty similar. Desperate. One star. Teddy, your disgusting talk about LVP's brother. I hope you lose your podcast job. I'm done listening. And Tamara will throw you under the bus to keep her job with Bravo. One star. Unsubscribe because of Teddy. I liked the show before, but I realized more and more that Teddy is a hypocrite and one-sided. Okay, here's another one. Trash. One star. Wow, God, this is almost even bumming me out. I hate my own bad reviews, but man... Freddie, maybe it is time to change course. Maybe don't talk about Beverly Hills, especially if you want to keep this, unless I just don't want her thinking that she's like, I'm the Howard Stern of uh, of Housewives podcast. I'm really getting in there, <laughs> really upsetting people, kind of riling it up and the ratings are great. And that's what's sad about podcasting or kind of anything, right? Is that if you uh, hear that there's a train wreck, you want to hear it with your own ears. You want to go rush over there. So a lot of their listens are hate listens, which we should talk about at some other point, is that so many shows, podcasts, you name it, are successful because the majority of them sometimes are just hate listens. Like, I truly wonder sometimes how many people hate listen to me. And I guess a listen is a listen, but man, don't you? I, mean, I would rather have an audience of people that that kind of liked it or that we were communing about something, you know? So that leads us to today. And today is what we call a gigantic mess. Now I'm going to try to take you through this. Um, and a lot of great, uh, Bravo Instagrammers, uh, kind of stepped up and were able to tell the story in a very clear and concise way. Whereas always I tried to make as many fart jokes as I could, <laughs> but, um, it started where Jax, not Jax Taylor, but Jax Garcel's son, he's 14 years old. And he started getting what we call bots. And bots are something where you can buy and they will post whatever you want them to post. They'll like a post. You can buy followers. Remember, you can buy. And there's actually this thing that you can can go to a website and you can put in my name. You can put anybody's name and see how trustworthy their account is. See how filled with bots their account is. By the way, I've watched some fellow Bravo accounts that I've seen go up 3000 people in one day. And you're like, Oh shit, they probably bought followers. I am proud to say I have never bought followers, even when I've been desperate to get my numbers up, which is just such a sad commentary on me. Um, but you can always tell when somebody buys followers, anyways, you can buy comments, you can have people attack people, but they're called bots or bot farms. And Jack said, I'm 14 years old. Leave me alone, please. And here's some of the comments. Tell your mom to leave Erica alone. Erica's telling the truth. Garcelle loyalty has conditions. Sutton can show all her bad behaviors. Garcelle ignores them all. Can you please stop critiquing and belittling Diana with her grammar? Your whole family are immigrants. Garcelle, worry about the real being canceled and leave Erica alone. This is on her son's Instagram post. This isn't on Garcelle. They were sent to her son. And that is just so gross. Why is your mom obsessed with Eric's alcohol intake? Shouldn't she worry about your brother Oliver's drug intake instead? That's disgusting. And this goes on for miles, you guys. Team Erica, Team Diana, Team Lisa, Team Kyle, Team Derit. By the way, you flippin' bot idiot. Don't name all the people that... <laughs> That are potentially the bad guys in this. Your brother Oliver is a drug addict, but your mom is calling Erica an alcoholic and making her look bad? Make it make sense. But they actually didn't put the make. It just says make it sense. Usually these are foreign entities, these bot farms. So the, uh, the grammar, the use of language is a little off sometimes. But... It's all at the same time. It's all just gross and disgusting, and it continues forever. Now, Lisa pops up because this lady needs to get in there immediately. Hey, you guys, we're doing a TV show. We try to entertain you. We do. Why can't you treat it like wrestling, for God's sakes? Love us. Love to hate us. But leave the kids alone. What I... What, what I was just sent about Garcelle's son is disgusting and unacceptable. What I heard happened to Portia, Kyle Richard's daughter, is disgusting and unacceptable. What you've said and done to my own kids is disgusting. The threats to the pretty mess's son, Erica's? I didn't even know about those threats. And I'm sure all of the other beautiful children, they didn't sign up for this. What are we doing? The kids, all of our kids should be off limits, so stop it now. Enough is enough. I agree with Lisa Renna, right? And how many times have I said this on this show in particular? I view this show like wrestlers pro, you know, it's like there's villains, there's heroes, all of this stuff. And part of the fun is in having a villain. And part of the fun is looking, you know, having a housewife that you root for. And unfortunately we're all over the place. We don't even agree on our favorites anymore, but also it's hard to hear this from Lisa Rinna because, you know, she was also, uh, thought it was you know, hysteric. She was one of the people that pitched in when Erica Jane was telling the same son, Jax, to get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here, kid. Remember at Garcelle's birthday, leave the kids alone. Like, yo, the call is coming from inside the house. And also I hate to say this, but I do believe I have firm reason to, at this point say, I don't trust Lisa Renna as far as I could throw those honking lips. You know what? Like She seems like weirdly involved. And like at the, I was just saying this on yesterday's episode, there's this whiff of desperation right now with her where I don't know if she's had talking to's, but she can't seem to not be involved in some kind of drama around housewives. She can't leave it alone. It's like this weird tick, a disorder almost that she cannot leave well enough alone. And I think in the end it is going to cost her. Each day I get more and more certain that she will be put on pause, and I went into the season thing, and we would get Lisa Rena kind of forever and I want to also make that clear, and I made that clear in my statements uh that I was saying on Instagram today because what I wrote was that I said, listen, as far as the Housewives kid things goes, I think it's obvious to leave them alone, truly deranged if this comes from quote unquote fans." Pick on the Housewives. It's that easy. This is sports. Have your favorite players and least favorite players. But if this is coming from someone in the Housewives circle, I think this needs to be rooted out. I believe bots can be traced with IP addresses, now I know there isn't any desperate housewives that would ever consider doing this, dot, dot, dot. Beverly Hills continues to be toxic this season. From that weird Patrick Summers kid who tried to implicate Kathy but then said he was working with Renna, to now trolling Garcelle's kids with bots. I for one don't want anyone gone from the show, but if this show is now a game, there needs to be rules in place. You need to play within a framework. And that's what we, we don't have, like, you know, if, if this is a game, if they're treating it like a game, if it is like some form of hunger games right now, then they need to play by some rules and hiring bots. And this, all of these signs are kind of like, we don't have proof, but Diana Jenkins, it keeps coming back to her. Now the Instagram account, I love this Instagram account face reality. Um, I should have her on the show. Her name's uh, Eliza, face reality 16. She did a really great job in her stories today. And she really did detective work. She, uh, you can go on there and see, she says all the accounts that left comments on son son's page follow these four accounts and created their page on July 15th or 16th. Okay. So she's saying that all of these follow these four accounts. She like, she went in and you could see the Instagram research she did. All of these accounts were created on July 15th or 16th. Usually that's a really big sign that these are bots. She gives screenshots of all of these accounts, all of them following each other. And usually you'll go to their account. They'll have one photo and they'll have one like just to prove that they're quote unquote an account. Uh, we all have bots following us of some sort. I think you got anybody does. It doesn't matter what account you do, But when you're having a majority of them all comment and they have no uh, followers and they have no, uh, they have like one photo. It, it it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, two of these four accounts that she pointed out have changed their names multiple times because the app will tell you about that. Garcelle then commented, I'm usually a very strong woman. I've been raised to be strong. My life has taught me to be strong, but when it comes to my kids, it hurts, it's not okay. I've been in tears all night. It's just a TV show. People scream at your TV, throw something at your TV TV, but leave our kids alone. And Garcel also, this has to stop. They're just kids. And that's so sad. But Face Reality 16 also pointed out something that we all have known. If you look like, it is it's very easy to buy IG comments. You can get seventy-five custom comments for the low price of twenty-four dollars. Now, if you are rich and Diana Jenkins is very rich, maybe you could buy millions. And then it's really simple. Face Reality Sixteen takes us through this, shows that you can put in an account name, and you can pick the specific posts you want. All these comments, and you can enter the comments, and it's in these very easy boxes. And as many comments as you want from as many different accounts as you want. Do you guys see what I'm talking about? And then all you do at the very end is you check out and you pay. It's wild. So she also went on to say that... um, Remember earlier this week, Diana was commenting, uh, she was really, I don't know what her deal was, but trying to go up against Garcelle all of a sudden, was really not letting things lie, even though she really wasn't a big part of last week's episode at all. She had an Instagram account says, hmm, my grammar and spelling might be off for sure because she misspelled Garcelle, but bottom line is... That she had lost her baby at 18 weeks pregnancy in a most violent way and nearly died in the process. And I am ridiculed for spelling someone's name wrong. Fascinating what fan favorites get away with. Go on, trolls. Do your worst. Oh, wait, you already did that. Now, trolls she is speaking to, but if you look at that, the trolls for these comments. I mean, some of these comments didn't come from me, but I know the people that they did come from. They're not hiding behind any bot accounts or anything like that. But if Diana thought that there's no way I could be getting this much negativity, I'm an amazing person, right? What if she is so checked out? I'm just throwing thoughts out here. What if she thinks she is this huge star? So there's no way that she would be getting hate comments. Yet all of these hate comments keep showing up. Well, they've got to be, they've got to be bot comments, right? Then why can't I do the same thing to Garcelle? Now, the only problem being, like I said, is that these comments to Diana, you can prove we're not botten, you know, they were real comments. And Garcelle is having, like a sports player, a good season where she has her detractors. Sure. But she's got a lot of love out there more than any other season Garcelle has had thus far. Um, bravo and writes, um, just when we thought this West coast housewife couldn't go any lower, she did. She hired bot accounts to go after the fan's favorite 14 year old child. If you actually click on the profiles that are leaving nasty comments, they all have less than 20 followers and are using generic stolen photos on their profiles. Also notice how comments they are leaving are saying the exact same thing, just phrased differently. So this is off the bravo and cocktails, uh, website when, you know, this is all gossip and you know, you never know. You know, these, you never know what to believe, but that was there. Um, And uh, Chadwick, uh, at O Chadwick, I follow him on Twitter. He ran quite a few of these accounts through Bin Verified, which is an account that uh, can trace bots and they're all bots. There's no traceable online history. Um, It's just interesting that it's happening after these, this weekend's posts where Diana was going, kind of going apocalyptic against Garcelle. Now, then this is even more fascinating. If you put Diana Jenkins' own account into this thing called Hype Auditor, it'll give you an audience quality score out of 100. And it'll usually tell you of like, you know, what is the percentage of bots that you have? Now, just if you have a percentage of bots, doesn't mean that you bot followers. It just means a lot of bots followed you. But guess what her audience quality score is out of 100? 21. Which hits the poor level on Hype Auditor, which means the majority of her followers are bots. Um so this is completely dark. Um, I, I mean I think it would just be obvious to leave kids out, and Diana, I don't know, like listen you're actually making me start to not like Elton John even. And I know he's one of your friends. Like I'm starting to not like people associated with you. There seems to be this weird darkness around you. And I don't know what, if this means like this, this is what a strong Bosnian woman is like. We buy bot comments. Like I don't, none of that is, is good. This is not good. And it's just really dark. Um, Lisa Renna commented, but Erica Jane stayed out of it. And Diana Jenkins has not made a comment yet, even though she has seen multiple people's stories where they have tagged her saying that this is ridiculous. Um, now, I unfollowed Diana Jenkins today. Uh, she didn't follow me, but I don't need. You know, it's so funny with Diana Jenkins. I've gone through waves when she had her first episode. I really liked her and I reached out to her to be on the podcast. And um, I took back that as as soon as she she never saw it. Thank God. But as soon as I started disliking her, which was like, what, like six episodes ago. And I I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't think I want to talk to her, (laughs) you know, like, let me give it some time. Let me wait till the second season, see how she turns out. And I, you know, you can go in and delete DMs. And I deleted my DM. And then today I unfollowed. I just get a really bad heebie-jeebie vibe from her. But what's interesting is that, you know, I'm not going to be reactionary. I'm not, I mean, we're, we're talking about our opinions, but I am excited to see her more on Beverly Hills. I want to see, but if it is proven that she is behind this. This is beyond the pale, and this is the shit that's got to stop. And I have a feeling Lisa Rinna and Diana Jenkins are buddy-buddy. Remember, uh, Diana gave her Hawaii beachfront home for a uh, vacation with Erica, Rinna, and Diana a couple of weeks ago. And remember, that's when they came back. Erica was served at the airport at LAX. So they're all buddy buddy, and I think they are in. Uh, they're in the dark wizarding world. You know, <laughs> they're they're not great. It feels like they're in a very dark hole now. Uh, also, a very dark announcement today. This felt like a threat. Threat on Erica Jane's story. I was sent this. She it was a, a black screen, and, and she wrote new music coming. And I was like, that feels threatening to me that I literally contacted the police. I said, I am looking at an Instagram story right now from Erica Jane saying that new music is coming. I need help immediately. (laughs) So I'm sure we're going to find out way more about this, but that is where we're at right now. And I know you guys are just, you guys are probably into the story more than I am. And I probably missed a bunch of different aspects of it, but, um, I'll keep uh, you posted as soon as new information because it has been a wild day. It just sucks because I think we're such a fun-loving audience, or can be. And this really deflates things when things get, you know, this serious and you bring kids in. And I got to tell you, one of these comments that I had read, I mean, talked about curb stomping. And I just talked to some really disgusting racist shit. And we're all, and I know you guys, or I'm not not talking to you, but it's just it's really alarming like this is housewives this is housewives you know let's all laugh about this together and we can learn things sure but let's try to laugh as much as we can um also i wanted to uh end on a more positive note of i found the second season of only murders in the building the hulu show with steve martin martin short and selena gomez i found it really just a charming as hell show I find it so charming, that show. It's ridiculous at times. Um, It's completely not realistic in so many ways, but it's a world that every time I turn on, I really love being in that world. It really makes me feel good inside. And and that's what good TV should do, right? There's something really charming about Martin Short and Steve Martin, of course. We grew up with them, so we trust them. And Selena Gomez is a great addition and it's a really great threesome. Now, this season was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Amy Schumer was in there and it was kind of a weird part and then she just disappeared. I am not a huge fan of Cara Delevingne, uh, you know, but through all of that, they still managed to tell a really good story. It's not something that completely blew me away, but it's something that I was really, I watched with a smile on my face and most episodes were the same way. But there were also very endearing touching scenes, which I love that they kind of skew that line between ridiculous, bizarre humor, and then these really touching scenes. Uh, you know, Nathan Lane had a, a amazing scene with his deaf son that I found beautiful. Um, so I'm so excited for a third season because it sets it up for one because Paul Rudd will be joining the cast of Only Murders in the Building for season three. He uh, is at the end of season two. Hopefully you guys have seen it by now and I'm not spoiling anything big, but I saw it already on Instagram posts. Um, but I love Paul Rudd. I think we all love Paul Rudd and it just seems like, well, they already have a plan for season three and I am here for it. But I recommend that as well. If you need a taste or a step away from the darkness that is Beverly Hills, you guys, this is a show. Uh, this is a show. It is a show. And that's all I can say about this. Thank you so much for being listeners of this show. I am lucky, even though I was so beat today and I talked so much, but I couldn't wait to talk to you guys. And I am so lucky to have a purpose. Thank you for being there for me. Uh, Even though I don't get to talk with you and sometimes you are uh, nameless and faceless, but I know you're there and it means everything to me. Everything. You are one of the only things that's going right in my life sometimes. Uh, and for the 10 people that are still listening after this two hours, I want to thank you guys. I'll talk to you bright and early on Thursday. In fact, I've got to get to bed because I am now only going to get six hours of sleep because I got to wake up at 7 a.m. to interview somebody that I am very excited to talk, talk to. Uh, so I can't wait for you guys to hear that too. Um, thank you. Please leave a positive review. Join the Patreon. Five bucks a month. You get so many other episodes that are not on here. And of course, you don't need them, but it does help me out and it helps uh, Maritza, Sandra, it, 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 it's a good thing. So join that as well. And, um, also what the kids are watching is my new children's podcast. Uh, leave a positive review for that. There's so much you guys. I'm so sorry of all the stuff I ask you to do, but thank you. And I'll talk to you on Thursday. Have a great day.
0: Betches.